to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And on the show, we're talking about propeller property investments and honest review of some of their cash flows. Now, look, here at Opus and on this podcast, we like to think of ourselves as a bit of an industry watchdog. So when we see another company doing something that we think, oh, maybe that's not quite 100%, we try and find a nice way to change it. In fact, we recently did this with one company we saw advertising a property with positive cash flow that we thought was a bit misleading. Yeah, this was actually quite a funny one. So the owner of the company is a friend of mine. He asked, do you want to go out for lunch? And I thought, yeah, this is a great opportunity to talk about the cash flows on your website. So I emailed Ed and said, you're coming along to lunch with this other company. And Ed said, they're a competitor. Why would I go for lunch with them? And so I said, look at these cash flows and we're going to go through them with them. So anyway, we go across, we got a couple of beers into them. And then I said, actually, I've got something on my agenda I want to talk to you about. And then Ed pulls out his spreadsheets. Anyway, they took well, it. Do you know what actually happened? Here's what actually no, happened. No, I was too busy as Andrew well. Nickel. <laughs> yes, but then he said, now, I've got something on the agenda I want to talk to you about. <laughs> it's about your cash flows. And then he got up and went to the bathroom. Yeah, like standard, he usually does a standard in these situations. Move, a standard move. Then I pull out my A3 printouts <laughs> of their cash flows with highlighter all over them. And I say, now, I've just got something I want to talk to you about and start going through them. Now, to be fair, Andrew, how did those guys take Look, it? Look, they took it. And, and the spirit that it was intended. We worked through it together. And to their credit, the owner did try and defend one of them, and to which case he just laughed obnoxiously at him. Anyway, they took their information back to the office. They changed all of their assumptions. And we're not saying our assumptions are always perfect because assumptions are guesses, but there were things in their numbers that were ludicrous and they accepted, okay, maybe these two nerds have got a point and they took it back and adjusted it. So look, everyone ended as friends and we still carry on having beers with them. And, uh, you know, but when we say ludicrous, we're talking about using a 3.6% interest rate for the next 10 years when you can't get a 3.6% interest rate in today's market. It's just not right. Now, we have chosen not to mention that company's name in this episode because we usually like to do this quietly. And the reason is we want to make sure that investors, whoever they go to, do get good quality information. And obviously they don't have to match up exactly with the way we crunch numbers. You know, people have different opinions about things. But, you know, if we think something really is quite bad, we want to point it out and try and get it fixed. But not everybody does the right thing. So we're recording this podcast. So in this case, I looked at an investor's cash flows and I was pretty disappointed in some of the assumptions that were made. So look, again, anyone's allowed to make assumptions, but I think that it's really important that when you're giving information to clients, it's as accurate as possible because it has a major impact on their financial future. And so anyway, I emailed Nikki Connors, the owner of Propeller Property Investment, who I know. And look, it'd be fair to say we had a bit of an acrimonious situation last year when she put on her website that they had the top property podcast and I asked her to remove it since this is the top property podcast in New Zealand and she basically ignored me so I put a 15 metre billboard next to her office with Ed in my face advertising the top property podcast so look Anyone that knows me knows I was just being a bit cheeky and wanted her to take it down. She didn't take it down. And anyway, that ended with me getting a letter from her lawyer. 
So when I emailed her about this, I was very cautious to be nice about it and just said, hey, let's have a chat about this and see if we can get on the same page. And I basically got an email telling me to bugger off. So anyway, here we are. So let's go through the assumptions and just talk through the facts. Number one is the growth rates used in this projection. So they have used a 6.5% growth rate for an apartment in Auckland. So 6.5% growth rate, apartment Auckland. Now you might say, well, 6.5% at Auckland, maybe that's reasonable in some parts of Auckland. There's been significant growth, even higher than 6.5%. Well, that is very true, but not for apartments. So if you look at the long-term growth rate for apartments in Auckland, it's 5.33%. Now, that's actually from the Ryan's House Price Index, and I'm looking at all data over the last 30 years. Now, if I look at only the last 20 years, it's actually even worse. 4.47% per year is what the average apartment in Auckland increased in value by. 4.47. Now, that is over two percentage points less per year than what is being forecasted. So I just don't see any basis for using a 6.5% growth rate for an apartment in Auckland. And look, I do think that there are some good reasons to believe that the levels that we've seen, the house price increases we've seen in the past, you know, I think there are reasons why we might not see the exact same amount in the future. It might be a bit less. So I just don't see any basis for using 6.5% as your projection for how fast this apartment's going to increase in the future. I just don't see how any data set would support that. Let's talk about interest rates next. So in their interest rate forecast, they used 2.29% for the first two years and then going to 3.9%. And then after that, going to 4.5% and then to 4.8%. Now, 4.8% is probably not bad for a long-term average, but the problem is, in my opinion, the short-term interest rates aren't actually accurate. And this is a recent cash flow that's been created. This isn't a while ago. In fact, I did say when I looked at this, unless you've got a time machine, you're probably not getting that interest rate. You can, with ANZ, get the special build interest rate, but that's floating. And it starts at 2.78 at the moment. So that's you know almost half a percent higher than what's being projected, which is $71 a week from the most generous reading of the situation. So what we mean by that is that even if you got the new build interest rate for the first two years that's currently available in today's market, there's a $71 per week difference between the projection and what would actually happen in reality. Now, that's pretty significant. Absolutely. Again, I think the biggest issue that I had when I was looking through this is actually the cash flow side of things, because if you buy a property that you can't afford, you'll be selling it again in a very short period of time. And if you sell quickly, you will lose money. And remember, because this is a floating interest rate rather than a fixed interest rate, look, who listening to this podcast believes that interest rates are going to stay the same over the next two years? That's absolute bollocks. Now, because, of course, the floating rate is linked to the OCR, we are going to see those increases over the next 18 months. Now, the current Reserve Bank predictions suggest another 1.75% increases, and most economists say another one and a half. So strike one is using a lower interest rate than currently available. Strike two is treating it as if it's fixed, even though it's a floating rate, and it's very likely to increase substantially over the next two years. And just to jump in there as well, Andrew, so when we're talking about the OCR increasing by another 1.5% over the next, say, 18 months, that means that that short-term new build interest rate is likely to increase by, you know, roughly the same. So I would not be surprised to see that rate go up to 4.25%. So even if you were using that, you know, you'd have to put it in the cash flow if you've got any tie to reality. 
Absolutely. And strike three for me in terms of interest rates is, look, to give her credit, you know, 4.8% is very realistic for a long-term interest rate. But... 3.9% in two years' time, not really realistic because we'd expect that interest rates would only be coming off their high at that point, would still be around 5%, you know, 4.5% at that point. So projecting a a 3.9 has got no semblance of reality. Now, number three is in the mortgage structure. Now, this is going to get a wee bit nerdy, so bear with me. Well, in this situation, the apartment's worth $720,000. But they're projecting 750k worth of debt, so an extra $30,000. Now, why would you borrow an extra $30,000? Well, they're factoring in things like a furniture pack, which is 20 grand. We're going to come back to that, and an extra 10 grand of costs, like propellers, six grand fee that they charge investors, and some other setup costs. Now, what's important to note, though, is is there any chance that ANZ is going to lend you 750k at that lowest special new build interest rate? Absolutely not, because the extra 30k worth of costs are not related to the new build. They won't be able to be secured against the new build. That'd have to be set up as some sort of revolving credit against your own house or financed by the investor. And so if you truly are going to borrow 750k, at least 30k worth of costs need to be tested at the higher interest rate. I know this is nerdy, but it's very important for your forecasting because you're going to be using potentially an interest rate that's going to be double what is used for the total amount of the debt. The other thing that's important to realise is only ANZ is currently offering that lower interest rate. Well, if you're own home is currently with ASB for instance and you're going to borrow your 20% deposit from ASB, Westpac or BNZ, well then your borrowing of the deposit, the 20% deposit you're going to use is going to be at a higher interest rate. It's not going to be at the special new build interest rate. The only way to get the bulk of your lending at the special new build is to have both your owner-occupier and the investment at ANZ. Now, I don't know whether that was the case here or not, but you know, these are some things that I think are really important just to point out if you're using these sorts of assumptions as standards. Number four is a really interesting one. This is the treatment of taxable refunds. Now, if you go over to the spreadsheet, the cash flow and equity tab, you'll see that there's a row 14, which is hidden. Now, if you unhide that, you'll find that the old tax treatment is still in here. So the stuff that was taken away with ring fencing laws back in 2019. So in this tab, you've got tax treatments which are three years old and out of date. And look, to be fair, we don't know how this is being used, but it's in their spreadsheet. So maybe it's not frequently used. Maybe that's a genuine mistake. We don't know. But this is something that we wanted to chat to Nikki about so that we could kind of get it tidied up. And just to go into this, it's so interesting, is that even though it was hidden, it was showing that cash was coming into the property investor's account. And although that row was hidden, it was still used within the calculations, at least in that one tab. Now, I don't know how often investors are going in there, but it was called something along the lines of cash flow and equity summary. And it was showing that cash was coming into the bank accounts, even though that wouldn't be the case under current tax rules. So I think, you know, the fact that it was hidden Maybe they were trying to get rid of it and, you know, haven't <laughs> haven't pashed Bill Gates to figure out how Excel works like we have, Andrew and me, at the same time. But certainly it's it's not a good look that A, old tax rules are in there, but more importantly, are used within calculations to show cash flow. I thought that was a bit disappointing. Number five was the treatment of property management costs. So rental income under these assumptions is being increased by 4% per year, which is actually totally realistic. In fact, we go a bit higher based on the data we use. but 
their property management fees are only being increased by inflation, which is 2% a year, when actually they should be increased by 4% a year because that's the rate that you're projecting that rental income is going to increase by. So this is an example of an inaccuracy. You might say, oh, Ed, what much of a difference does that make? But over time, as it starts to compound, the difference becomes larger. And look, number six, let's just talk about some of the smaller things. Look, maintenance isn't actually adjusted for inflation in their cash flows. There's no allowance for accounting in the first year, which I guess you're not paying your accountant until the end of the first year, so in the second year, but you should still be accounting for it in the first year. And I guess the rates were relatively low. They were 2000 in this instance. And I would normally budget for maybe two and a half, maybe 2600 because, of course, there might be things like water rates in Auckland. Let's get to number seven, which is probably the biggest one for me. There's a 20 grand allowance for a furniture pack. And uh, look, furniture packs I've seen range from 10 to 15 grand. I find it hard to imagine you spend 20 grand furnishing a property. I mean, there's obviously, this This is the, the company that does these, Metropolis Design, is one of Nicky Connor's other companies. So, you know, it's a related company and they're there to make some money. So there will be some margin in there. But I kind of think, well, if you're paying $20,000 on a furniture pack, that's to get your rent up. Now, one of the things that's not in the cash flow is an amortization of paying that back because, of course, furniture wears out, things get broken or stolen. So I would normally budget for that being paid back over a three to five years maximum period. Now, five years, that's $77 a week. So if you're getting another $100 a week in rent, is it really worth actually going to that trouble? Because a furnished apartment has got a more limited tenant pool than an unfurnished apartment. And let me just show you the impact that this is and compare the returns on investment. Now, I've only done this over a 10-year period because that's how far propellers assumptions go. Now, if I look at the total returns, and this is interesting, if I look at the inflation-adjusted capital growth, so if I look at how much the properties are projected to increase by, and then bring it back into today's dollars, based on the 6.5% growth rate, over 10 years, this property, under propellers assumptions, should have about half a billion dollars worth of capital growth, adjusted for inflation. Now, we'd use a much more conservative growth rate for this, in this case, 4.5%, which is just above that 20-year average, $302,000. So there's, there's about a 200k difference between what I would consider an unrealistic assumption and a realistic assumption that's actually based on the last 20 years of data. And then similarly, there's a big difference in terms of the cash invested. So under propeller properties assumptions, the investor would have to put in about $28,500 of today's money to top up the property, whereas in my view, after we run the assumptions, it should be closer to $52,000. So if I look at that projected return on investment, under their assumptions, it's about 250%. Under what I'd consider more realistic assumptions, 134% over that 10-year period. So this just shows you, I think, how the same property can look very different under different companies' assumptions and different organisations' assumptions. Now, if you take it, the same property to different accountants, you might get different answers about whether it's good or not. I suppose that's kind of what I've read to get into this. What do you reckon, Andrew? Look, I think the key message here is, look, everyone's entitled to their opinion and everyone's entitled to use whatever assumptions that they want. And I think it's really important uh, any investor that's 
buying through anyone that they go through the assumptions, see if that's something, if, if it meets the sniff test for them. And uh, you should be able to change them. And if you say, hey, look, I'm not comfortable with that interest rate, ask it to be increased, which I'm sure that Propeller would do. But I do think some of the default assumptions here need reviewing. And I'm not saying our assumptions are perfect, but these assumptions that we're looking at, I just, I, I think they're a little bit inaccurate and there's some inaccuracies. Hence why we want to have the conversation. But Nikki, if you are listening to this, we do want to be friends with you. So I'm happy to still have a drink with you. We'll, we'll talk about what we use and what our tools are. And Ed will fix that error in your spreadsheet. But I tell you what, Andrew, I mean, if they genuinely wanted to, to fix some of this stuff, you know, I'd happily fix the spreadsheet for them and then let them pick up the bill for dinner. Um, <laughs> Look, I mean, that's well, what, I think what, that'd be fair. Yeah, that's why we reached out. Be, I think that other company... What a company, great dinner that'd be for me. Like, let's think about that. I'd just have to type on my spreadsheet over to dinner, eating my dang-dang noodles. And do you know what, Andrew? This isn't... I mean, I hope people don't think, oh, God, they're just having a go. They're, these guys are having a go. Like, this is simply to point out to people that there can be genuine differences. You need to look at these because they make a big impact. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get that message out to more people. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ian McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time. <laughs>